Dancer. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of I'm a Pole Dancer, a pole podcast by pole dancers for pole dancers and the curious. I am your host, Sari the Scary Fairy, and today I have Mallory Linda with me. Say hello. Hi everyone. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing fabulous. Um, now, why don't you tell our audience who you are, what you do, anything that you want them to know about yourself. <laughs> So I am Mallory, as you said, and I am a pole dancer and a pole instructor. I am also the pole sport organization unicorn for Tantra Fitness. So I get to learn about things a little bit before they happen and help spread the word about what's going on with that pole competition. Amazing. And that's exactly what we are talking about today is pole competitions. I know for the audience, I've mentioned them here and there in many of my previous episodes. So today we're going to get in depth to what that's all about. Yay! Yay! <laughs> um, so yeah, let's get started in terms of pole competitions in the broadest of spectrums. Like, mm-hmm. how many are there? What are sort of the different competitions that are in pole, I guess, around the world? Oh, man, I do not know how many competitions there are. So it always many. seems like there is more popping up or suddenly like a new one that I've never heard of. But there are so many in so many different countries. Um, some of them are like worldwide brands. So you'll have ones like Pole Theater, which have like each country has their own um competition and then there's ones that are always more regional like for different provinces or states or nationally that are specific for that sometimes those lead to world competitions where you qualify from a country and you get to go and compete with the best from all the rest of the countries um and there's such a wide range out there of types of competitions so there's everything from something that's more like whole sport where you're focusing on tricks and technique and all that good stuff and then there's other ones where it's more about the performance Mm -hmm. and using the pole as an apparatus to create a story and tell that story and there's also a variety of levels so there's everything from your pros who literally this is all they do all the time is they pole dance and they are always competing and striving to be the best mm-hmm. to the people who just like, I would like to try competing and maybe like see what happens. Yeah. Like huge variety. Oh, so much variety. Um, let's focus in though on the main one that I feel like is the most commonly known uh, competition around the world, which is pole sport organization or PSO for short. Yeah, so it definitely is probably one of the most known worldwide, especially in North America. Mm-hmm. Um, they're now, over the last couple of years, they've expanded through to Asia and Europe more. But it really started off in the States. Mm-hmm. I think that there's something there's something like 25 competitions worldwide so in many. a year. So many. Um, well, in a normal year. Yeah. 25. Um, there's two that happen in Canada now, one on the east and one in the west, which is usually in Vancouver. And so what I really like with PSO is that it is for everyone. Yes. You can be a brand new beginner polar. You have, could have pulled like for two weeks and been like, I'm going to compete and they have a level for you. Like level one is for beginners. It's for people literally just starting out. And that's amazing, like that somebody can just literally be like, I want to compete at any stage in their pole career and have a place to go. Because most pole competitions are not for beginner beginners. That is so true. Then let's go through the levels of PSO then, because you started off with level one, which is the absolute beginner. Maybe we can get into the technicalities of each of the levels as well. So level one, absolute beginner, what isn't allowed in level one? Level one, you have to stay upright the whole time. Mm -hmm. Zero inversions are allowed of any kind, head above hips. You are allowed to climb, but that, like, it's not a required thing, but you can. Um, And you can use both a spinning and static pole, but you also don't have to. 
That's something so, I did not know about, about level one. Yeah, Interesting. You don't have to use both. We do usually recommend that you try to use both, um, just because then it means your performance is spread out a little bit more nicely across the stage. Yeah. But if you're, say, like, brand new and spin pole means that you will vomit, then you don't have to go on spin pole. Yes, please don't. <laughs> yeah, like, okay you get used to other things first <laughs> yes all right so then after level one you get the little little bit more experienced beginners which yeah. is level two yeah what are so those guys like level two is for all our beginner inverters oh, yes. so you can invert maybe you know a few inverted tricks but you're really only comfortable inverting from the floor and being inverted really close to the floor and the thought of maybe inverting aerially is just you're not ready for that or is too scary right now, then you're level two. So level two, you can invert. You have to maintain though in your inversions three points of contact all the time. Oh yes, this is a huge point of contention or like debate amongst a lot of people. Like what tricks are three points of contact and which are not? Oh yes. Um, almost all of the questions I get leading up to a competition are, can you look at this move? Does this move have three points of contact? Is my transition three points of contact? Especially in the like level three range, which we'll get to. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then in level two as well, if you, so instructors can't go in level one. Yeah. But can be in level two, unless you teach inversions. As soon as you are teaching inversions, you have to be in level three. So... Level two can have instructors, just ones that don't teach inversions. Yeah. So if you're teaching just beginner pullers, then that's fine. If you're not comfortable aerial inverting yet or anything like that, then you can go in level two as well if you're an instructor. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, okay, oh. level three, which is now we're starting to get to our intermediate pullers. Yes. So with level three... It means the big thing is that you can include an aerial invert mm -hmm. of, or aerial shoulder mount of any kind, but it also doesn't mean that you have to have an aerial invert or shoulder mount. Yes. It just means that maybe you can. You can do it. You can even you say you can do a descending invert, um, but you don't want an aerial invert. That's fine, which reminds me. Level two, you can descend invert from higher up the pole. You just can't invert invert. Right. Um, so like level three though is usually like you're fairly comfortable aerial inverting or you're really wanting to work on that, then you kind of go into level three. Same thing though, three points of contact allowed. Yes. And it's usually level three that things also get like a little bit more interesting in that you get people sort of who are in between a level three, four. Yeah. Cause that's and where then people, yeah, go big ahead. Big decisions about like which level to go in because say maybe they've just gotten their handspring or maybe they do know like a few more advanced moves mm -hmm. but maybe those aren't really allowed in level three and so then that's usually like where you got some decisions to make yes it can get a little tricky so level three I find is like usually the broadest spectrum of a variety of skill levels you have people who are like just comfortable aerial inverting and then you have people who are really comfortable aerial inverting but the thought of having to maybe perform like a handspring or multiple two point of contact moves in level four is like i do not think i can handle that under the pressure that's not for me yet like i need yeah. to be in level three and it's a like it's a big difference between those skill levels it's a huge so it's difference always, yeah. yeah it's a really interesting category then usually to watch because it, there is quite a variety yeah, now that you say that, I definitely noticed that. Like, where any anytime there's a level three category that I'm watching, it's yeah, just that giant range of skill level in that yeah. one category. Yeah. So then we touched a little bit on level four. So there's only two more levels: level four and level yes. five. So level four, we're starting to get to our higher up intermediates, uh, advanced polars. You bet. So. This is where you can start using two point of contact. Mm -hmm. So you can handspring, you can do your no hands jade split, you can do your double knee hold from your brass monkey and not have a hand on the pole, like all these like really interesting tricks and stuff. Your transitions as well, you don't have to worry about the same. 
it is amazing how many transitions are only two points of contact. Yes. Oh my gosh, I know. And really the only thing that you can't do in level four is it's pretty much an anything goes category except for like you can't do something with a torso rotation that is no points of contact or one point of contact. That's my understanding. Yes, you can't do like a big release move where your torso rotates. So something like a fonji where you're going, say, starting from torso facing the pole and then you turn and now your torso is away from the pole. So like go from stomach to the pole to back to the pole. Yeah. That is not allowed in level four because that is really advanced (laughs) if you're starting to do those kinds of things and you're able to compete them. Yes. So it's understandable. Yes. Which then leads us to our final category, level five, which are like the super advanced pro people. Yeah. So anything goes, you can literally do like pretty much any trick except for you can't hang from a truss. Yeah. And I can't remember if this rule ended up going in, but I know we talked about it at one point, but at 1.2, we weren't going to let you jump from pole to pole. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't remember if that is actually officially in the rules or not. Interesting. I I don't know either. I have to. I don't think it is. I mean, every time I've read the rules, I've seen that it's like a yeah something against the rules. But I do know with all these levels, though, like just because there's all of these uh, restrictions or things that you can do doesn't necessarily doesn't necessarily mean that they're all mandatory. Like Correct. if you're in level four. You, you don't have to do X number of two points of contact moves or no. whatever. Or like, a handspring yeah. or anything. I've done, I've done like a level four or five split category and I had one mm. two point of contact move and I did no handsprings, nothing. And cause that's and like, that's was my choice. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you still won't, um, do well in the competition either. Exactly, because it also depends on what style you are doing, which if you're comfortable with, we can get into that now as well. The, yeah. There are so many different categories that you could enter into. There's, And they basically, they divide down into an artistic category or a technical category. Uh, yeah. That's my understanding of it. So yeah. let's start with our general categories because there's the general ones and then there's the sexy after dark ones (laughs) that was just introduced and some of the sexier ones were introduced recently so with more commonly known ones we'll just begin out here um I guess you're one of the most obvious ones which is a technical level is championship which is just yeah so that's for like that's really great for people who maybe don't come or come from a performance background or are comfortable maybe performing but want to try Mm -hmm. or who are like really good at like the technical aspects of pole like they do an invert and it is clean and you know their transitions are really neat and precise then that might be for them um like it's way judged way more on how clean everything is, how well it's executed. Right. That's also a level of difficulty is in there. Yes. The artistic categories for PSO, level of difficulty isn't included. Mm-hmm. So level of difficulty is in, like, championship. Yes, because... So, like, if you're, if you're more of a performer, though, then maybe then that one's not quite as much for you. Yeah. But, yeah, it's really great if you're into the technical side and if your goal is to get better technically like if that is why you are wanting to compete I want to improve my technical skills then championship really great opportunity for that yes it is a great opportunity for that especially to get those super technical notes and then if you're not so much of a technical person and you really want to tell a story there are I guess we could lump these two into they're really separate categories but they are opposite ends of one spectrum which is dramatic and entertainment so you have your dramatic which whenever I tell people sad pole dancing they get really confused and I'm like just imagine like it's it's dramatic you know and then you have your entertainment on the opposite end of the spectrum which is entertainment funny a lot of your comedy numbers are there um yeah yeah. Or really big character pieces, like somebody's mm. really has like a character to develop is in that. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, and so they then have way more judged on how well they're telling the story, 
um, how or character or feeling. And like as I'm watching this, do I understand what your character is? Do I understand what you're trying to tell me? All that kind of thing. Level of difficulty, like I said, doesn't come into play. But we're still looking at like, are your lines nice? Like, are thing are you still executing your tricks well? It's not like you're fumbling and trying to like barely hang on there. So things are still being executed well, but we don't care so much if you're not trying to put in the hardest tricks that you know within that level. Yes. And it's more, you want the performance. You yeah. want the story. Yes. I those yeah. Personally, I love those ones, but that's just because, again, as I keep saying, I'm from a musical theater background, so <laughs> telling stories. I come from a dance background, so yes. those are usually the ones that I like. <laughs> yeah, they're just so much fun. And then we have, this is a fairly new category, which, uh, speaking of which, this episode will be premiering on the week of PSO Scorpio, so it's sort of, it's great timing for that, and I will be competing in this category, and I, if I understand correctly, you are too, is the low flow category. I don't know if I'm competing this year, but I have done low flow and floor work a couple times, Mm -hmm. because that's my jam. Yeah. Is is that stuff. And so it is actually um, considered a championship category. Yeah, that scares me. <laughs> yeah, so it definitely, for me, the championship style of scoring does not suit my style very well. Mm-hmm. But I am a low flow kind of girl, so I just went, oh, well. And the reason why low flow floor work is um, scored on a championship system is because you can get so many different styles competing then against each other in that category. And so then it makes it a little bit easier to judge and compare when you have yeah. somebody who might be doing exotic and somebody doing dramatic and somebody who might be doing something else entirely. So then they can make it a little bit more even across the board without worrying about trying to figure out everybody's different performance styles. Yeah, and that's something that's really unique about that category, too, is you have both the exotic and non-exotic categories combining into this one category. Yeah. It's really interesting to watch, for sure. Yeah, it makes it definitely an interesting showcase, for sure. And it's also really interesting because, like, for low flow and floor work, um, I find defining the level of difficulty of tricks on a low flow scale is, quite a bit different than when you know like your standard aerial tricks yes I feel like it's a tough category to judge super tough and I know that's something that when I will be doing my piece for PSO that I'll be struggling with myself is that I'm doing the level four slash five and as a side note audience uh, low flow is one of the only categories where they combined levels so I believe it's Mm -hmm. level four five and then there's level uh, two three Yes. And so I think part of that is because, well, you're not going to be doing almost anything aerially. Everything is connected to the floor. Because the whole thing with low flow is your hand can't, you can't go, oh. You can't go above how high your hand can reach. Yes. So not very high, especially if you're a short person. So So it makes it more difficult when you're trying to create those difficulty of tricks. But I find that with low flow, it's more about... How interesting are your entries and exits on and off the yeah. pole? How interesting yeah. is your floor work? What It's more about weaving the tricks together. And it's also about how you sort of are linking and using the floor. So like mm-hmm. how you're going from like standing and up the pole and using the mid-range even between where your highest point is and where the floor is and what that mid-range is and how you can utilize that. So yeah. there's like which is something that doesn't get used in the same unless you're doing sort of more of a low flow um, style. Yes, yes. Yeah. All right. I think those are all of the non-exotic categories. Is there any others that are there? Um, Not normally. There are a couple right now for this cyber championship. Oh, that's right, because COVID made everything go online. (laughs) Yes, so like there's a now an edited category, so yes. you can edit your video, and that doesn't have to be that can be any style. Mm-hmm. And then there's also a I think there's a floor work one as well, 
number is it here? Yeah, no poll, no oh, problem. Um, oh, no poll, no problem is any category. So it's kind of like a floor work for everyone. Yeah. And then there's like then there's an exotic floor work one. Yeah. Oh, so many categories. There's Most, so many. Then then okay, so that was all just the non-exotic stuff. Yeah. Exotic is a whole nother thing, and that's usually the point where they're like, okay, everybody, we're going to kick you out of the theater if you're under 18, I believe. Um, uh, depends on the, the province, state, country. Very true, yes. It depends on where you're at. I believe in Canada, if you're under, is it 18 or 19? Um, for I think for BC, it was 19. Oh, excellent. Good to yeah. know. Um, so, yeah, those exotic categories. I mean, the first exotic category that comes to mind is exotic that is a category (laughs) yep just like your standard exotic no other interesting description you just want to do exotic yeah and then they started recent recently dividing it even further there is a russian category now yep because that's very different from other exotic styles Yes, so for anybody who's into the Russian exotic style, then you can compete against other people doing Russian. Yay! Yeah! And then there's Down to Flow, I believe it's called. So it's very, again, it's sort of like the low flow, but more of an artistic scoring guide. Um, I think, I think it's actually Drip Tease and Flow. Oh, Drip Tease and Flow, my bad. (laughs) That's okay, it's hard to remember all of them. Yeah, so it's more about movement body wave um Mm -hmm. like making it all melt together all that kind of good stuff now that's an interesting question because we just talked about low flow so how would this category differentiate because you can do exotic style in low flow how would drip tease flow differ from that drip tease flow you still um can climb the pole oh yeah that's right you still can climb the pole yeah excellent and then we have shadow band which is where a lot of our burlesque dancers go into and or any anybody really can go into but i find burlesque strippers because this is where the costume rules get a little bit more relaxed in a it's actually all the after dark categories. All it's of them. Relaxed. Yay! Okay, perfect. Yeah. I know Shadow Band is more of that like artistic art of the tease, art of the strip tease style, where it was yeah. basically like, will this get you Shadow Band on Instagram? Will any of the exotic categories will get you yeah. Shadow Band on Instagram? But like <laughs> this one's like, will this really get you Shadow Band on Instagram? <laughs> exactly. So you can like, yeah, make it with it. Yeah, if you look in the rules, it's the only rules, the nastier, the better. Yes. And then, what is, are we missing any of the exotic categories, I think? All floor, all day. All floor, all day. The rules will allow, you just get to do exotic floor work. Beautiful. Yeah. Perfect. Those are all the so many categories. Like, it's, there's something for everyone in there. And then there's also, um, we now also have free dance as well. Oh, that's right. Freestyle free dance. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's another category too where you yeah. don't plan a routine. They just. No, so you just get given a song and go for it. Like, yeah. you walk out on stage and the song plays and you you move. You just move your body. Uh, that would terrify yeah. me personally because I like forget half of my tricks when I freestyle. <laughs> it's like, yeah. what, what am I doing? I'm... I definitely greatly admire anybody doing that category. Oh, so much so. Like, kudos to you if you are good with freestyle. That is a skill to have and a very impressive one at that. Yeah, and that one's judged on the championship system. Oh, that's right. Interesting. Yeah, once again, to sort of even the playing field in terms of how things are judged and because you can't really like if you don't know the song it's hard to have that character development the same yes yes that's so true now so we've covered the levels the categories and then there are some rules to follow we touched on some of those rules before which there's certain points of contact um should we talk a little bit about like the consequences of breaking some of those rules. I know there's costuming rules as well. You can use props, things like that. Just like, just there's so much detail that goes into these competitions. 
So, like, general rules that sort of, like, most of the time, if you break a rule, it's some sort of deduction. Yes. Um, if it's something where it's, like, your safety, though, or the safety of others is at risk, then that can be a disqualification. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you perform a trick that is outside of the level that you're competing in, so if you do a handspring and you're in level three. Yes. Then you get a deduction. And it's a deduction from every judge, so that can be that can that, that can really hurt things. Um, costuming it depends on the category. Yes. So if you are in the after dark categories, and you know this has changed now as well, even for online, and so you can wear pasties and Yay. you can wear a thong. No g strings though. No g strings, pasties and a thong. Love it. Yeah, <laughs> those are fine. Um, and then for the other categories, though, you have to make sure that you have, like, um, breasts are fully covered as much as they would be with a bra, mm-hmm. and that, like, no other bits anywhere are showing in any way, because it is then an all-ages show when it's the general categories and stuff. Yes. So there could be kids there, so you got to make sure that everything's okay for all that and then those are usually deductions yes now I know that the bum coverage rule has changed over the years uh back in the day when I know I first started competing it used to be based off of the oh I forget the style of shorts but they were from a company called Bad Kitty which no longer is in existence sadly and they had a specific, it was like, what was it, the Brazil shorts? So basically. I think it was the Brazil shorts, yeah. yeah. It had to cover as much, it had, to, it had to cover your gluteal, first of all, it was gluteal fold all the way. Yeah. And then it was however much coverage from, yeah, I think it was the Brazil shorts. That, though, didn't necessarily work as well because not everywhere could get the shorts and everybody's booty is different and right. when shorts go on everybody's bum, they have different amounts of coverage. Yeah, some people have bigger booties than others. Yeah, and it, you can have people wearing the same shorts in the same size and they will still look different. Yeah. So it ended up being one of the main reasons for a lot of the rules restrictions with PSO was rules from individual venues. Oh, so yes. you can't like at you're using this venue. You have to keep things at like this much coverage, mm-hmm. and some venues were stricter than others. Yes, because sometimes it depended on the state they were in, in the county they were in, all that stuff. Yeah, and then over time, they've now been able to relax the rules. Oh, that's so good because that grip, even that booty grip, can be super important for certain tricks. Like um, yeah. a good trick, for example, I find like. Titanic. I kind of want my booty there to yeah. secure myself to the pole. If I don't have that, <laughs> SOL. Yeah. And so now it's pretty much like any coverage is fine. You can show your butt just so long as everything else is covered. Yeah. It's like as long as it's like normal underwear, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Sweet. And then. Speaking of, just touching back on the rule in terms of, like, if you're doing a move that's not in your level, there's something else called sandbagging, which yes. is where if you are performing in a level and the judges go, hmm, you probably shouldn't be in this level, you should really be in the next level up, that's called sandbagging. And, and is that the same deduction as doing the wrong trick or an incorrect trick in your level? Yeah. So it is a deduction. I don't know what... if how much the deduction is in, in comparison because mm-hmm. I do not have all of the deduction amounts <laughs> memorized. <laughs> oh my gosh, there's so many. Um, but yeah, so usually it's, they'll really penalize you if it looks like, especially there's almost two levels between where you are. So say you're doing yeah. level two and it's like, this person clearly has been able to practice a handspring before. Like, mm-hmm. they could maybe even be up as far as level four. You will definitely have deductions for sandbagging. Yes. Um, part of my job for PSO Unicorn, especially when it was in-person competitions and we had a lot better of an idea and we received constant feedback over who was joining the competitions. Yes. To prevent sandbagging. Mm-hmm. So if I saw that somebody was going in a level that was lower than what they should, 
then I would usually talk to the person or if it was like things happened last minute and then I get to see the list of all who like had was registered then I could email and be like so this person can do these things and I feel like they're maybe not in the right level Mm. like especially like if you've seen somebody who is suddenly in level three but they did a competition previously that year when they competed a handspring right oh yeah if they did a mm-hmm, definitely like they've already competed a handspring before and nothing they haven't had a major injury in the in-between time and now they're doing a level three I have questions about why suddenly I'm seeing them in level three exactly like unless you've had again like a major injury that has yeah. set you back okay that's that's great or if you've had a, a pregnancy and you couldn't yeah. train for months and months and months, months. That, yeah. you know, that's that's valid. But, yeah, exactly, when there's been no medical reason for you not to go backwards. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and so normally, too, what we do is, like, whatever level you were competing at the year before, usually then you're expected to at least stay at that level, if not move up. So yes. if you're in the top three, you have eight people – eight people in your yeah eight people in your category mm-hmm. and you get in the top three you have to move up the next year yeah you have a year to move up from your competition date yeah so if you get first place in your championship level three better start working on those handsprings <laughs> then in another year you'd be expected to be in level four unless like you said like something major it, happened exactly i broke a bone i dislocated a shoulder i got pregnant something along those lines that greatly affected your abilities to move up Exactly. Yeah. And then, yeah, I'm just thinking about anything else about that. Oh, other interesting aspects of PSO that I'd love to bring up is that makes it more fun is props and human props. Like you can bring in props. I just, I think the only rule is, is you have to let, well, before it went online, because once it went online, it was anything goes because there was no stage to clean up. You could use whatever you want, just as long as your human prop doesn't touch the pole. Um, Because then at that point, oh, that's another category we didn't talk about is doubles. Um, Oh, yes, doubles. We'll get back to that. But human props, what makes them a human prop is they cannot touch the pole, but you can interact with them in any which way you want. Like, they're just... Correct. They're just there to help you tell the story. And you can use whatever props. And when it was on stage, I think as long as you could clean it up within 30 seconds, you could use it. Yeah, and so, like, you had to, like, you have to tell them then sort of like I'm having a human prop or these are my props that I'm going to have and mm-hmm. make sure that, you know, there's nothing else weird with it. I think there's also a weight limit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, just probably because of stage rules. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, it, you know, you can't put something ridiculously heavy <laughs> on the stage or something like that. Or yeah. you can't, like, bring a playhouse to put on the stage maybe. I don't know, like, something huge. Reasonable. Um, yeah. Like, no food. And you can't no... throw anything off the stage. Yes. Well, intentionally. Uh, like, if, yeah. it acci- if it's obviously an accident, then I think that's okay. Yeah, then it's fine. Unless it hits a person, then, then I think you still get a deduction. Yeah, just just don't throw anything off the stage. Like, plan for no, everything just, beyond. just don't throw it off the stage and everything is fine. <laughs> exactly. I feel like that's a pretty easy thing to follow. And. Yeah. The other restrictions when things are in on the stage in person is you can't have any food, drinks, anything that would make a mess on the stage that would yeah. take forever to clean up. Yeah, anything that's going to make it so that way it's a long time to clean up or you're going to need to get like more equipment in to help clean it up or anything like that. You know, like, like you can't throw a bunch of glitter. No, don't throw a bunch of glitter. But I will say with PSO now being online, I'm really excited to see some of these routines for PSO Libra and Scorpio because they happen to be near Halloween. So I wonder uh, if people will be using like fake blood for their routines or things like that because that restriction is not in place for at-home routines. Like that would be totally possible. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So then we skipped a category doubles. Doubles, doubles, doubles. This one, I don't think there's any level for it yet. Is that correct? Yeah. There's usually, there's not usually enough entries for there to be levels. Yes. Um, And it's judged on the championship system because Mm -hmm. once again, all kinds of different styles and because there's not levels 
all sorts of different levels. Yeah. And how with the championship style, though, how does that... I don't know how I personally feel about that in terms of like, what if you have a doubles pair that's only level two, but then you have a doubles pair that's say like level five, that is a giant. It it definitely makes it challenging. Yeah. Yeah. So like, that's the unfortunate thing there with like level of difficulty being included. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if that level two group sort of was super clean, put on a really good performance, it's still possible to kind of get those points maybe elsewhere that maybe somebody else couldn't, even though they might have more difficult tricks. Yeah, yeah. But it's definitely, it's definitely not as fair or as even if things are like we're leveled. Right. But a lot of times they're in competitions, there's only maybe two or three doubles. Yeah, there's not a lot. But doubles are fun no. because that's when you have two people on the pole uh, or on stage at the same time. Yeah. And I mean, everyone interprets doubles a little bit differently. Like I've seen doubles where yeah. you have two people, but they're on their own pole doing synchronized yeah. pole dancing, or they come together on one pole and do tricks intertwined together. Yeah. Or yeah, a little bit of both. It's, yeah, or they do a bit of, bit of both. Like it can be really interesting to watch. Definitely. It gets really creative for each like individual pair to see what their personal like double style is. Yeah, yeah. that's oh and again there's so many different styles in that you can have lyrical, exotic, like anything goes in that category. Yeah. Totally. Um, oh, there was one more category but I I think I forgot about it because I don't think I've ever seen it because no one ever registers under it, which is showcase. Um Oh yeah. Showcase used to be a little bit more popular, and it's definitely fallen off in the last little bit. Yeah. It's pretty much for anybody who just wants to perform. Yeah. Um, so there's Showcase, which is you get no feedback, you just go out and perform. And then there's Showcase Plus, where you go out and perform, and you'll get judges' feedback, but you don't get scored. Yeah, and I think those are really great opportunities for people yeah. who might be you know, nervous about competition and don't want to have to worry about the technical aspects say they're like I just I really am scared to know that feedback then but they just want to perform great you know you can get nice pretty pictures and video I also know showcases where some of the larger groups can come in where it's um I think it's a how many people maximum could be on stage where pole dancers can be on stage is like seven or something I don't remember. And that actually, groups are part of the doubles category usually. Oh, I did not know that. That's, that's Yeah, very so it's exciting. usually doubles and groups. It's just, it's very rare that there's groups, but groups also do the showcase category as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then the other people that usually do showcase are kind of those that are really in between levels. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they've had some sort of injury in the past or there's something else with their bodies that they can't really maybe aerial invert or something like that, but maybe they can descend invert and then do things like a perfectly flat, no hands jade split. Oh, yeah. And then into something like a dragon tail or whatever, that it's like, there's no way they could do in something like level two. Yeah. But they want to showcase that, like, hey, I can do all these neat things. I just can't get there. Like, yeah. the people in level four can do. So I'm going to do them in showcase instead and show off what I can do, how my body knows how to do it yes oh wow there is truly something in there for everyone it's amazing so I think we've covered all the basics of PSO it is quite an enormous competition so many people you know everyone has a different training style some people create their routines a couple of weeks before PSO and they're happy with that and some people take half a year or a whole year to create their routines I have done both myself. <laughs> I think it really depends. Uh, I find with the virtual competitions, I because it's you're filming it over and over again until you get your perfect run, I only choreograph that one maybe like two to three weeks ahead of time. Yeah. But if it's in person, you bet I'll be working like two to three months ahead of time on that routine. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people for in person are usually like at least a couple months. Mm-hmm. Um it might not come together until a few days before, but you know, you're starting it usually at least a couple months. And there's definitely, I find, especially first time competitors oh. are usually like five, six months out. Yeah. They're already like, Hey, I have to start thinking about this and 
getting things sorted out because I want as much time as possible. Yes, yes. Yeah. And that's another interesting aspect of competition training that I've talked to many pole dancers about as well is competition training is so good but it can also be a little bit of a hindrance too depending on how you do it like you're solidifying a routine you're getting everything together you're improving your technique it's really great things you're improving your musicality all these different great 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 things but one thing I find is because people are so focused on their routine they won't they'll neglect to train other tricks at the same time but again I can't speak for everyone but this is just what I have found where you know I know I'm guilty of it where I'll be like yeah training this one routine for three months but then I haven't done an aerial shoulder mount in three months so I struggle with it at the end of that yeah just things like that so it's it's a very interesting journey in terms of the training side like I think it's it's one of those ones like you have to sort of do what's going to be best for you to enjoy the journey yes because you don't want it to become a whole thing where you just end up hating every minute of what's going on. Yes. Um, What I tell people I coach is that you need to also periodically like throw in a class of some kind that's totally different than what you're training, especially if you are starting at like the four to five month mark out. Yes. Like, please go take an exotic class, go take a lyrical class, go take a conditioning class, like just something different to get your brain to do, body to do something a little bit different. Yeah. That can also help. Oh yeah. Like, Like just to get your body in a different mindset and your brain to be thinking about new things. Can you can come back to then and be like, Oh, Hey, like, I took a break for like just one class and now I see these other things. Exactly. Or now my body feels like it's ready to do this again. Yes. And another side of that as well is rest days are so important, especially when yes. you're competition training. Do not wear your body down to the ground. Take rest days, get sleep. Yeah. Try not to injure yourself a couple of weeks out before the competition. Been there, done that. Do not recommend. No, it's never a good thing. <laughs> And I think the last thing I want to cover here, because, I mean, there's so many things that we can cover in competitions, um, but you are a PSO unicorn. So what what exactly is a PSO unicorn? What's your job? You touched on it a little bit, but what, what do you do for us? So we do, I do a little bit less than I used to right now, mm-hmm. but um, it used to be that we had meetings um, once a month to once every, like, two to three months. Where we, so I get to attend the meeting, you find out things maybe that had gone on in previous competitions, mm-hmm. what they're planning for the upcoming few months, um, anything new, like when we're having new categories, new costume stuff, um, anything else that they want to like sort of discuss that might be going on and get feedback on. So those meetings were usually about a half hour to an hour. Mm-hmm. At a time. Um, and like that's when two of the unicorns would hear anything that would happen from the main organizers of the whole competition so they would usually have a meeting beforehand and then we would get filled in on anything important and we get chances to ask questions about anything going on yes so and anything leading up to any of our competitions all that good stuff um and then from there it was just like it's really making sure that the people at my studio know so that you know, finding ways to tell people at four different Tantra studios, like, this is the competitions coming up and these are the new rules. Um, and this is what's all happening, which is challenging. Yes. Um, that's why we have a Facebook group yeah. <laughs> for relaying all the information. So, and then the biggest part of my job is to answer people's questions about the PSO competition, mm-hmm. anything about how it works. Things like sending me videos of, can you tell me if this is two points of contact or not? Oh, yes. And if there's ever anything I don't know, then I can, I know who to go to to also ask and get like the PSO unicorn consensus on certain things. So like, especially the couple months leading up to the competition, most of my job is what are, is these moves allowed? Yeah. And then... Just making sure that people know things like, okay, this is the day of the competition. You have to make sure you sign in. You have to be here at this time for these things. 
please don't be late. Yes. Oh my goodness. Make sure you send your music in on time. Oh, so this many things. This is your music date. Don't forget. That's the nice thing, though, about the online competitions is uh, you don't yeah. have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> it's no, like... Like, I said, like the last few months, my job as a PSO unicorn has like gotten much smaller because I don't have to necessarily worry about all the same things. Yeah. The biggest thing now is just like new virtual competitions have been announced and this is when they are for anybody who wants to do one. Interesting. Has anyone asked you during the virtual competitions is is like this trick allowed like two point three point contact one i've only had one interesting i mean i would imagine that that would still be an applicable question even virtually definitely but huh it's interesting that that's gone down but it's also there has not been nearly as many competitors very true very true usually from tantra when we're going into a live competition we're looking at about 30 ish competitors oh yeah there's so many of us so then so there's a lot more people whereas right now like usually it's a couple and a lot of the people Mm -hmm. who are competing are veteran performers so they usually don't really have the questions the same if anything it's more questions about how maybe the virtual competition works and that was usually that was like the first couple mostly right yeah yeah definitely yeah oh my gosh competitions so yeah I think we'll probably wrap this up here and move on because we've been almost chatting for an hour about competitions like again we can go on and on and on about this but I think it's mostly just one competition (laughs) it's mostly just one competition and there's so many other competitions and honestly it's I think this is just a really, really good foundation and basis, especially for baby pole dancers who might be listening in or people who aren't pole dancers at all and are curious to know more about the competition side of things. It's just so interesting. Anybody can go to the Pole Sport Organization website as well and um, buy a ticket to watch the virtual competition. Yes, please do. you're wanting to see some people like, and you've never seen anybody perform before if you're a pole, new to pole and you want to see some interesting performances yeah or if you're just interested in it like it's a really great opportunity to get to see some really interesting things happen yeah and speaking of which uh, pole sport organization Scorpio is happening this weekend, November 14th. So if you head over to that website, uh, the Pulse Sport Organization's website, you can get tickets to see that online where yours truly will be performing. Yeah. Yay. All right. Are you ready to play a game? Okay, let's do this. Okay, let's do this. So it's called What's That Pole Move? Dun, dun, dun. So I'm going to be sending you a pole trick and I'll be muting myself and I will tell the audience what the trick is called. Then I'll come back, ask you to describe it and try to figure out what it's called because pole names have weird names. <laughs> All right, guys. So the trick that I'm going to be sending Mallory is called Lois Lane. To look that up, go onto Instagram and look up the hashtag PDLoisLane. Again, that's hashtag PDLoisLane. All right, I sent that to you. Okay. Do you see it? I do see it. Okay. In your own words, can you describe what this trick looks like? So, this trick has a bent bottom leg like you would bend your bottom leg in a sort of genie position uh-huh. and then the top leg is sticking straight up the pole mm-hmm. in between the legs are hands from arms that are reaching straight back yes so chest is lifted and the back is bent this almost looks a bit like like a modified gargoyle with like the straight top leg and not grabbing onto either leg I also feel like it looks kind of like a modified poisson in a way Uh. but it is neither of those things (laughs) it's very interesting um lots of back bending in this oh yes what do you think it's called or if you had to name it what would you name it what would I name this I would name it probably something like the Archer. Oh, that's Even though I know cool. that that is already a pole move name, but that's what I think of when I see this. 
Oh, well. Or the arrow. It kind of looks like it. Like, her legs sort of look like an arrow as well. It does. But, unfortunately, it is not named this. But I do <laughs> love Archer. I think that that would just look... Yeah, you're right. It looks like a bow and arrow, like, getting ready to be shot out. Yeah. So, this trick is actually called Lois Lane. And what? I just learned this today. I was looking for a trick to show you, and I came across uh, P.D. Lois Lane and did not know that this was a thing. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Again, no idea why it's called a Lois Lane. Makes no sense to me. But, uh, sure. <laughs> why not? I, why not? I've never seen this trick before, but... It's it's a neat one. It is a neat one. Ooh, this would actually be a good bonus question. Um, what level would this trick be allowed in? Oh, so technically speaking, <laughs> she has many points of contact on the pole because there's um, a knee, a leg, both hands. So it is sort of one of those ones that's allowed in level two, three. But mm-hmm. looking at how you probably have to get into it mm. and the amount of flexibility needed, if I saw somebody in level two or three doing this, I'd be like, mm, should you be in this level? Because I think that this is more for somebody who probably has the strength and skill set for like a level four or high level three. There you go. You heard it from here, guys. <laughs> if you try Lois Lane and put it in your competition piece. Maybe you should be high level three, level four, but who's to say? Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Now, if everyone wanted to find you on the internet or the Instagram, where can we find you? So you can find me on Instagram at Mallory underscore Linda. Beautiful. I will put that in the show notes. I will also put the PSO website in the show notes as well if anyone is so curious to find out more about competitions because we, believe me when I say, we only just scratch the surface. And one last thing before I let you go, what are you? I'm a pole dancer. Yeah! Yay! (laughs)